Hello, and welcome into episode 70 of the House of L podcast. I am Lawrence Holmes, and I am glad that you are listening to today's podcast. So, listen, today's episode is going to be a little bit different than the episodes that we ordinarily do. And before I get into it, let me explain why today's episode will be a little bit different. When I first decided that I was going to do House of L, I wanted to create a space where if I couldn't, if I didn't have like the radio show, for example, to be someplace where I could talk about different subjects, I wanted to make sure that I still had a space to be able to do it. And so that that's part of the reason why I created House of L is that I know that no matter what, I can throw some ideas or thoughts out there at people and have them react to it, have them respond to it without there being, without feeling like I'm not living up to my obligation as a talk show host on a sports radio show, which means that I can delve into topics that are maybe a little bit off the beaten path and I don't necessarily have time for on the radio show and people can kind of pick and choose. Well, hey, this is a podcast that that I'll sit this one out. I'll take a lap on this one. Or, or hey, this is something I wish that Lawrence would spend more time talking about, and I enjoyed the conversation. So we'll see where, where you fall in that when it comes to today's category. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about an experience that I had over the weekend and how it put some things into perspective for me. And I also think maybe changes my perspective on some other things when it comes to a lot of the relationships that we have in this country. I I want to talk specifically about my own experience and then maybe broaden it out a little bit. And you may notice the the name of the, the, the episode is Black Like Me. So it's kind of my experience of, of being black in America. And it was put into light because of going to a funeral this weekend. My best friend, Afia Owusu, who will be a guest on this podcast at some point, she says she needs to be on, on a big episode. So I'm thinking like episode 100, that would be a big enough episode for her to be on. She is the executive producer of the jam over at WCIU before that, she worked at Channel 9 as an EP on the morning show. She worked at Channel 7. She's brilliant. She She's fantastic. She sparkles. All of that stuff. Her mom passed away back in May. Adelaide, her mom. And they're from Ghana. Her family is from Ghana. So we were invited to the funerals, plural, that went on. The first one was pretty ordinary. It was a church funeral at Living Water Church out in Bolingbrook. And it was beautiful. And and Afia did the eulogy. And you can tell that, like any child that loses a parent, that that's a very difficult moment to reflect. And she handled it like a true champion. I was very proud of her. And I told her I was I'm honored to be her friend. For the way that she handled it. Her city, her city, her sister, Abby, 
Abina. Abby was our wedding planner. So Afia was my best woman in my wedding, and Abby was our wedding planner. So their their family is kind of entangled into my own. And as Afia said in her speech, that she feels like she's been a Holmes for a really long time. And that's the way that my family looks at her as part of our family. And so my mom came to the funeral, and it was it was a really touching moment to see Afia almost like jump into my mom's arms as she is there celebrating the life of her own mother. And I walked away from that loving her and respecting her even more than I already do. Because it was difficult, and it was difficult for both of them. Abby did a lot of the planning, trying to get this thing together, and it was it was wonderful seeing their two different perspectives and ways of doing things come together to put together what I think was a really powerful ceremony that they had at the church. And as you can imagine, as a family that that immigrated here from Ghana, there are a lot of Ghanaians who were there at the ceremony. So we, you know, Afia said, look, there's a bunch of different things that are going to go on this weekend. There's going to be one at the church. There's the burial. There's going to be a traditional celebration of life that goes on in the Ghanaian community, and we're going to do that Saturday night. So Panther and I were both like, okay, well, why don't we just – it was out in Bolingbrook, and not that Bolingbrook is far. I mean, it's 30 miles, but you never know what traffic, and we didn't want to go back and forth, back and forth – knowing that we were committed to spending the whole day with our friends and their family. So we went to the the first funeral. We went to the the burial, which was gorgeous and beautiful as well. And then we went back to the hotel. They, they asked that everyone wear black and red and come back to a community center where all these Ghanaian families could come out and we could celebrate Afia's life. And so Panther and I went, and we were in black and red, and we, we wanted to be there to support our friends. And it was quite the cultural exchange for us. It really, really was. I've thought a lot about funerals. I know that makes me a little bit morbid, like what would happen with me uh, afterwards. And I'm all about it. if there's any good body parts that matter, you can take them. Uh, I don't know if, if anyone wants Maybe my eyes, like maybe they don't want that, but when you got Crohn's and <laughs> sickle cell trait and all sorts of other stuff, I don't know if anyone wants these parts and arthritis and all that good stuff. I don't know if anyone wants these parts, but if they do, they are they are welcome to the the parts that I have available. And then I I I've told Panther that you can just go ahead and you can you can burn me up and then scatter my ashes at the point in Hyde Park. There's my favorite tree, like overlooking downtown Chicago. It's a good resting spot for me. You don't have to go through the the idea of embalming and then a casket and all that good stuff. Basically, Big Lebowski me is what I'm saying. Take me to my favorite point in the city, put my ashes there, and I can just live there in in the uh, in the along in the forever. So I think about this type of stuff a lot. I also think that funerals should be more celebratory than sad, but it's hard to get over that because you're sad because someone that you've loved and 
who raised you in the, in the case of Abby and Afia's mom is gone. And how do you wrestle with that person no longer being there? I've kind of always teetered towards the side of celebration, but I do understand the the concept of reflection when it comes to to death and, and then trying to move on from it. So we, we went to this thing. We went to the event, and it was beautiful. You had all these, these Ghanaian men and women in traditional garb there telling stories, having a drink, dancing. And I didn't know what to expect. I've never been to one of these before. And what, what it's set up like where you have the family, the, the grieving, they are set up in a box, like basically like box seating in the front of the room. And there were probably 20, 25 family members that had come from all over the world. It come from Ghana and they had come from Germany and France and all this to celebrate this, this wonderful woman's life. And for those of you who don't know, I'm, I'm married to a white lady. And I was sitting there talking with, with Mel about this because she had never been at it either. And she was, I think she was the only white person there um, that wasn't serving drinks. I think she was the only white person there. And I said to her while we were sitting there that I had never felt more American than I did sitting there. And I don't, I don't know how you're going to take that. I just know that for me, I'm like, wow, I don't, I don't have this. And there was traditional African and Ghanaian music that was played. And while people were dancing, I'd be lying if I told you that it didn't reach me at a, at a very spiritual and historical level, level like the music was able to reach me. I also, I love African music, although I, I have to be honest, I haven't taken as deep of a dive as I probably should. Like Fela Kuti is one of my favorite artists. I love listening. If you ever, here, check out Zombie by Fela. Put Zombie in and tell me that it doesn't do something for your soul, okay? Just... Do that for me, and I'm, I promise you that it's a, a song that will uh, fulfill your soul. My brother took me to Fela Fest when they used to have at that at the Shrine. So it reaches me a, a little bit. But Mel and I, after it was all over, I was talking to her about how, as a black American, I'm not sure, like, what traditions we have that even come close and I say this as someone who has friends who are African clearly and also friends who are Caribbean I wish that the the black American experience took more seriously some of the things that we we do have, like, and this all comes on the heels of Juneteenth. And if you don't know about Juneteenth, here's the, the completely abridged version. Abraham Lincoln signs the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863. So people are free then. Black people are free at that moment. But it's 1863. So 
the message doesn't get disseminated to slaves in Texas, you know, the the western part of the republic at that point until 1865. So that day where we can kind of say, well, here is the last day of slavery after people have been free for two years and the message getting to them, it should be celebrated. And there are a lot of people who don't know a lot about Juneteenth overall, and that's frustrating that they don't. In Texas, they they do celebrate. Like, it's a thing. And I was pleasantly surprised that as I looked around in Bolingbrook, there were signs up for the Juneteenth Festival out there this past weekend. I thought that was really, really great. I, I guess I could describe my feelings as being is feeling kind of left out that there are such rich traditions in Africa that Africans who immigrate to America are able to keep and share with their family and friends to keep traditions alive through the way that the this particular funeral was done and all sorts of other celebrations and I get that as a culture, we're very young. Like America itself is very young. I heard someone say that that the United States is kind of a teenager now, that we still have a long way to go before we grow up, and that that could be argued, uh, especially politically. Like we we still have a long way to go. Um, also, guys, me and Mel got to an interesting conversation about politics and the founders. I'll just give you a little glimpse into the way that I feel about this and you can take it or leave it. I am not a constructionist. I'm not someone who believes that the the constitution is law. I mean, it is obviously it is law in a lot of cases, but that the founding fathers, that their words should be taken literally all the time, because I don't know if they ever thought that there would be a republic of 350 million people and a such a wide spectrum politically and socially that maybe we don't need to do some tweaking to that. But that's another podcast for another day. Back to the whole black like me uh, thing. I was I I felt I felt a little bit left out that. There isn't that. A lot of the traditions that we do have, like jumping the broom, for example, like that that's a, a, a quality black American tradition that does have some roots uh, in, in African traditions. But because of what happened in America with slavery, th- that is something that that does have a real American feel to it. The Juneteenth thing to me should be something that is discuss more and I guess I could I can do more with that. There are plenty of people I, I even before I came in and recorded this, I talked with Tony Gill, who's younger than I am, significantly younger. And I talked to him about Juneteenth and I'm like, when did you find out about Juneteenth? And he said, not until I was an adult. And that also made me sad that that there isn't that. It's growing up I always knew from my African friends in grammar school and high school that their view on 
black Americans was um, different. And I imagine that if, if you're African or Caribbean, you might be saying amen, hallelujah. My Caribbean friends have told me that, that in a lot of cases in the black community worldwide that black Americans are seen as privileged, and we are. We're completely privileged, even though there have been a lot of struggles that have gone along with our privilege. And I'm using air quotes. You can't see me, um, but it is the truth. But it's moments like what I experienced over the weekend where I go, wow, Like I think that we could probably do better. And I'm pointing a thumb here. Uh, the royal we with celebrating our traditions. And maybe maybe the better way to say it is creating and then celebrating the traditions. Being black in America is a very unique thing because the the shared history of being black in America is unlike everyone else. Like, for example, I joke with people all the time about the concept of being white. Like, when do white people become white? And even inside that, like, there's the subsection of, well, you generally I'm white, but I'm Italian. And usually people will identify with their history. I'm Italian, I'm Swedish, I'm Irish, I'm Spanish, whatever, whatever it is. My people are from Spain, like that sort of thing. And with being black in America, there isn't that. One of the things that separates us from other Americans is a lack of defined history. Like, where do you come from? And I I said to my wife, like we were joking about this and talking a little bit about it. And I said, I know that there's a big portion of my family that's from Western Africa because that's where the slave trade emanated from in most cases, Western Africa. So I know that there is part of my heritage that emanates from Africa, but I don't feel as connected as I think I'd like to be to Africa because there's no clear line. Afia can draw her line back to Ghana and even more specifically the Ashanti tribe. Like she can draw a direct line to that. I can't. I mean, it's it's possible that my family is from Ghana. It's possible my family is from the Ivory Coast or from Cameroon or Sudan. It's it all of those things are possible. But it's almost impossible for us to find those things out about our history. Now, I know that our friend uh, uh, Courtney Hall, she went back uh, to Africa on a trip. And I want to say that her family is Sudanese, that she she found out that her family was from the Sudan and she went and did an incredible trip over there and explored some of it. But even still, like, how do you then go back and connect that with your American experience? It just really struck me this weekend that 
obviously, like when you look at the history of black America, there's that tether to slavery. And I think that that, that in itself is a really difficult thing for a lot of black people to work through even now. My mom would always say when it comes to going up the family tree, you have to be very careful because you're not you're you're probably not going to like what you find. And in a lot of cases, as a lighter skinned black person, that it's it's pretty obvious where my light skin came from. And those women that were slaves and were assaulted by slave owners then end up having children. And how do you reconcile that with your own identity? It's, I know that I'm, I'm bringing up some really heavy stuff in today's podcast, but as I said, I wanted House of L to be a place where I could occasionally uh, go into some of this stuff. And I was just really struck with it this weekend that that. I don't know if it's necessarily something that's missing for me as a a black American, but I to to make this a broader, I, I think that it's something as a as a culture that we struggle with. And I do think, and Tony brought up a really good point when I was talking to him how black culture in 2019, it's so important to celebrate some of this stuff because it gives us a, a as the Republic itself is in its teen years, I would say that that black culture is probably behind that in some regards. Now, look, there are people to celebrate. There are things like the blues and jazz uh, for, for us to celebrate. I don't know if we do a good enough job doing it. It's it's heavy, man. Like it's it's a really heavy thing to sit there in the face of something so what I thought was so beautiful being there and seeing my friend be able to be in her element. And Afia is, she's unbelievable because this is a, a a black woman who was doing country music. I forgot what they changed her name to, but she loves country music and she was doing country music down in Tampa say or somewhere in Florida and she used to when she's on the podcast I'll have her tell the story but I believe they would never have her do appearances because obviously like she's got this incredible voice so back then you could still be a little bit anonymous and but she's able to have the the experience of being African along with being American Jason Goff, his family's from Belize. He and his sister Shayna, like they're Caribbean. Like they have that. And there there is kind of the feeling of when you're an American kid and you're a black American kid that that you kind of feel like the kid that's on punishment looking at your friends like celebrate. When you see the type of bond that blacks from the Caribbean have or... Afro-Latino 
Now, I, I know that there are clearly there are tons of problems. And again, maybe there'll be another podcast where we can talk about colorism, for example. Um, but to see that shared experience that happens outside of the experience of the black American, it's it's humbling. Like, it's like, man, like we're like, how do we go about creating and celebrating all of those things that make us American, but also celebrates the fact that we are black Americans. And I didn't really come up with a good answer for any of it. I, I just really, it really brought it home. Like the, the concept was put right in front of my face and I'm appreciative of it because it, it will allow me to dig a little bit deeper my father and I have conversations quite a bit um, about great writers. My dad is a writer. If you haven't, you should get his book. He actually wrote a book uh, about Jean-Baptiste Point du Sable. And it's called The Warrior's Belt. So if you're on Amazon, just order it. There you got it. And I was talking to him about how much I love James Baldwin. And I, obviously I love Baldwin's writing even though a lot of it is too complicated for me. And I consider myself fairly well-read. What I love about Baldwin, as someone who does this for a living, watching videos of James Baldwin debate is magical because he's never rattled, mainly because he's usually the smartest person in the room, but he's never rattled and he's able to get his point of view across without really raising his voice. And he often would be able to, if not bring people from the other side of the political spectrum over to his point of view, he at least made them see it. They may not have agreed with it, but they saw and understood his point of view. And those are the things that maybe maybe we should do a better job of, of celebrating. Like we should be, I mean, did you know that June is Black Music Month, for example? Like we know February is Black History Month, but did you know June was Black Music Month? And I know that I'm rambling. I get it. I get it. But these are the, these are the things that kind of come into my head and I, I was thinking about, like, the rest of the time this weekend. Yesterday, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about how do, how do we, what will the tradition of the black American be 100 years from now, 200 years from now, 500 years from now? Will we be, will there be something that carries through and connects like what I saw from the, the Ganyan family that was nice enough to take me in and make me a part of their family for this celebration of life. It, it, it's a fundamental question of identity, of what is the identity of the black American. And I don't know if there's, I don't know if I've personally found a sufficient answer to that question and I say that as someone who 
I grew up in I always get bothered with the the stereotypes of the black community because of what my own experience was. Like I was born in a project. Like my parents actually used they they got they were the ideal people to use housing projects to their advantage. They were lucky and skilled and they were able to find their way out of what is sometimes a cycle, but I was I was born in the Loden Homes project, so off of 95th Street. And I spent the majority of my time growing up. Not to, I went to school across the street at St. Thaddeus, right there on 95th and Harvard. Our experience in America has been that of what I think is the under almost always underrepresented population of the black middle class. I I was surrounded by families that were very similar to mine. Not like a perfect match, but pretty similar. Where you did have, you know, the two family, the two parent households and all of that stuff. That that is a story that I don't think is told enough. And I think there are there are people who don't who wouldn't look at my story and say that it is the, an atypical black experience. And I would push back at least a little bit and say, yeah, it is. It pretty much is. But, and, and there are some, like I said, there's this, there's this schism that happens between Caribbeans, black people from the Caribbean, Africans and black Americans and I've always found it fascinating, and I, I I, came to a better understanding of it by being at this place. We're different. We are different. So when the Caribbean Fest, they still have that at Washington Park. When the Caribbean Fest comes to Washington Park, it I understand how Jason's sister, Shayna, like it means more to her to go as a woman who is from Belize. It means more. I might get something out of the carnival-like atmosphere of it, but I'm not sure that I'm connected to it. The The Puerto Rican parade. And we could have a whole other podcast about the the term black when it comes to the the Latin American, the, the Latin diet where the the Venn diagram where the black diaspora and the Latin, the Spanish diaspora meet. We could have a big discussion about that. And if you haven't done any studying of what life is like in the Dominican Republic, you should. Cause it's fascinating what is happening between uh, Dominicans and Haitians, what's happening between dark skinned Dominicans and light skinned Dominicans. It's the whole thing has been really fascinating. I'll, I'll stop my meandering after this, but in college, I studied American history and African history, but not African-American history. And the history of, of Africa as a continent, to me, is really fascinating and the differences between country to country, tribe to tribe, area to area is, is also worth your time in looking up, but 
I was really honored to have that connection and, and be invited into the family, so to speak, to enjoy it. But it really did lay out to me some stark contrast. And I think in, in a positive way has me looking closer at where do black Americans go from here and how how can we create some fundamental traditions that will inspire and carry on. Because I think that there's something very valuable for, for whatever your family traditions are uh, on a broader scale, a cultural tradition. I think there's something very valuable in keeping that and passing that on to the next generation once you kind of understand it. And I know that I, I'm now kind of embarking on a search to find mine, to, to find what is the, the tether that binds the black American experience together. How should we study it, share it, and celebrate it? Finally, I'll say thanks to Afia and Abby and the Owusu family for the invitation. I, I I was really dumbstruck with how beautiful and loving the entire event was. And I'm very proud of them both for the way that they they handled it. And thankful to be there, to to be there to share in it, even though I, I could not have been more of an outsider that they were welcoming in that regard, I thought was very special. And I was very glad to celebrate uh, Afia's mom's life. I, th- I thought that the way that they did it was something that I can add to my own collective and try to be better at. I don't know if we got anything accomplished in today's episode, but I truly appreciate you listening to it. And maybe you've had similar feelings um, where you have been an outsider, but it's weird. It's weird to be, it's weird to be black and yet feel like you're an outsider in a room full of black people because you are different in so many ways because of your your upbringing and heritage. So I'm trying to find answers to all of that stuff. I appreciate you indulging me for this last half hour. And if you want to hit me up on Twitter, at Lawrence W. Holmes is where you can find me. We'll get back to a regular format in a couple of weeks, or maybe next week. I got to... I still have the Pat McGann that I want to share with you because it's really, really good. Thanks for listening to House of L. I appreciate you. If you got any ideas for me, let me know. I'll talk to you next time. Peace.